Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. <clears throat> Cruising along here in season two, going to continue the um, see, uh, the uh, football position group breakdown series. This week, we're going to be talking about linebackers. Uh, Russ has got five more things that uh, herd fans need to know this week, and we're going to take it around the herd as always to see just what's going on around herd athletics this week. Find us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore Pod, and please. Uh, subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and a review, if you don't mind, uh, on your favorite podcasting network. And please be sure to, you know, send the show to your friends so we can continue to grow the listener race. We surely would appreciate it. But before we get into everything, let's get a quick word from our sponsors, 304carwreck.com. If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. Our roads are full of uninsured drivers. When they hurt you, your insurance company can become their insurance company. Insurance companies take your money every month, but they fight you when it's their turn to pay. Don't be a victim twice. Jason and Matt can't protect you from uninsured drivers, but they can protect you from the insurance companies. Find them at 304carwreck.com. Uh, Russ, it's a, another week in herd athletics. The football season is growing ever closer. We are now one week into the Sunbelt Conference era. And, I mean, news just continues to come out of martial athletics. There's changes uh, in the athletic department leadership. There are some additions. There uh, just general goings on. Uh, the, uh, the announcement of the, um, what do you, I guess, what do you call it, the fan committee? That'll be uh, wrapping up soon. So by the time you listen to this, if you didn't get your applications in, it's probably going to be past the deadline to do that. So I hope a lot of folks did that. I hope uh, the athletic department has a myriad of candidates to choose from so they can get a really good cross-section of the fan base. But it's a discussion for later on this episode, maybe. But first, let's get started. Give me five things that every Herd fan needs to know this week. All right. As usual, these are brought to you by IgniteLink the Tri-State's premier IT management team. Number one, Paige Banton and Kaylee Payne of Marshall Swimming and Diving were named second team scholar All-American team by the Swimming and Diving Coaches Association of America. Uh, One week after the team gets recognized for its academic prowess, we have some individual athletes getting further recognized for their academic prowess. And of course, that's going to bring out the word, the buzzword that I love to use, differentiator. And I I just can't say it enough. I love saying it because that means we're doing something really, really right in the areas of academics and or athletics. So wicked cool uh, way to kick off the episode. Yeah, and uh, the qualifiers for these, uh, for those of you who have not read the article, Uh, You have to achieve a grade point average of 3.5 or higher and be invited to compete at the respective national championship. And that was uh, how they got on second team. To qualify for first team, it's the same 3.5. 
but they have to participate in the national championship. So that's the difference uh, between the two. Slightly different than how first team and second team is in football, basketball, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, this being a, a scholar situation. Yeah. Still pretty cool. I mean, nonetheless, anytime you can land uh, athletes on lists like that, you know, it just shows you're doing something right. It shows that you have a commitment to your discipline in the pool or your specific sport discipline, whatever the case may be. And you are equally, if not more so dedicated to your work in the classroom. So um, we, you remember how those old NCAA commercials used to say, like, you know, we have 200,000 athletes that are going to go pro in something other than sports. And that mm -hmm. rings true year after year after year. So it's just great to know that while the opportunity may or may not be there to continue swimming and or diving, uh, you just cannot um, shortchange yourself in the classroom because that's really where the success is ultimately probably going to lie for the lion's share of athletes competing in, the, in NCAA sports. Yeah, and I need to mention that this is Banton's second straight year, uh, freshman and sophomore, that she has uh, achieved this. So very cool for, for both ladies. Um, but, you know, two years out of two years for Banton, that's pretty special. Yeah, running the table so far. Uh, exit CUSA era, enter Sunbelt era. We'll see how that rolls, especially with a conference-less affiliation year squeezed in there, squoze in there. <laughs> I love that word. <laughs> squoze. It's the past tense of squeeze. It should be. All right, number two, women's basketball. Jenna Burnett, Jenna Burnett and Rudy Evans were named recruiting coordinators. So uh, they got a slightly different title in addition to their duties. Yeah, a little addition, a little extra line item on the resume there. Uh, it's nice to, you know, get a little bit more responsibility. Uh, the, you know, the, the the I don't know, what what do you want to – I don't want to call it the wholesale changes because that's not a wholesale change. But the uh, evolution of what the 2022 women's basketball team and roster and coaching staff is going to uh, look like is so far continuing to evolve. Yeah, Burdett and Evans, uh, both we I believe we've talked about both of them on this show before. Um, but this entire team makeup has changed with transfers. This in, and recruiting and this entire staff has undergone changes, new additions, different roles. So um, this is just the latest in the announcements. I kind of think this might be the end of it, but uh, we'll talk a little bit more about what they're doing later when we go around the herd. But yeah. Yeah. congratulations to Jenna Burdett and Rudy Evans. Yeah, for sure. Congratulations are definitely in order. Number three, Cedric Prowl is named Assistant Athletic Director for Equipment Operations. He comes over from Duke. Yeah, and he was there for a long time too, man. Yeah, it was like, I mean, I don't remember the exact date, but it seemed like it was a decade or maybe longer than a decade. And yeah, he was there February 2010 was when he started. Yeah, dang, long time. Uh, this is a new one, right? I don't think we've ever had a – Assistant Athletic Director of Equipment Operations that I can recall. No. Uh, well, I don't know that it was that exact title. Right. Uh, but, um, you know, we, we've talked about Zach uh, Littleton and the job that he's done here for a long time. 
and everything. And this guy would, I guess, Zach would be kind of under his umbrella, but a lot of people are under Zach's umbrella. Uh, so it's just uh, a little bit different. You know, we've had uh, discussions over the last couple of weeks of rebranding some department uh, titles and different titles with things. So this might be the first time we've ever had assistant athletic director for equipment operations. It might be something that we just didn't realize that this title was there before. Um, I don't recall it ever, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not like we haven't had somebody in charge of equipment before. Of course we have, but I mean, it seems like a, like the continual evolution of the athletic department. And I, I don't know, this is really relevant, but it seems like, um, we're just bringing some of these titles into the 21st century, you know, instead of, you know, instead of calling something your sports information director, you know, it, it's now whatever that official title was like digital branding and, you know, whatever the case may be, but it's, it's just more relevant, accurate terminology for what we're doing uh, in this day and age. It's, it's not just the same old, same old anymore. It might be similar responsibilities, but perhaps more accurate job titles. Yeah. Uh, a couple of things to notice or to note about uh, Prowl is that he has experience in both football and basketball at Duke. Um, but they had listed here all the different uh, places where he had worked in strength and conditioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, he has a little bit of not just he was an equipment manager the entire time. He's 37 years old and he's got a pretty impressive resume of stops and big time schools that he was at and the different things that he's done. So uh, looks like a very cool hire. I mean, he he was at uh, Alabama and Ohio state uh, while he was in the strength and conditioning. So he's been around some big programs. Uh, You know, these are national brands of places where he was, you know, Duke basketball is one of those kind of big time in the basketball (laughs) round, you know, there's, (laughs) I think There's so, yeah. Or, <laughs> you know, of the, you know, that are that top tier level. Uh, but uh, he's got a lot of experience. So I'm I'm pretty excited to see, uh, you know, what direction we're going to go with some equipment stuff. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much could have stopped at work with Duke men's basketball. And that's, that's impressive enough. Sure. You know, it doesn't get much more high profile than that. You know, there are larger, like, team. I mean, you know, what's a basketball team? 12, 13 people, you know, co- coaches. Are, I mean, now you're talking about 100 and some football players. Of course, it's, it's apples and oranges. But as far as sports teams, programs in particular go, I mean, does it really get much bigger? I mean, that's got to be up there in the top, top tier, Duke men's basketball. That's like, you know, uh, like Texas football, like USC football, like Ohio State football. Uh, North Carolina basketball, Kansas basketball. You're really getting into rarefied air of programs there. Yeah, to me, the the top four that I think of uh, year in, year out, Blue Bloods is Kentucky, my team that I root for when, you know, they're not playing the herd. Uh, Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke, and Kansas, you know, are kind of the four that always come to mind. So yeah. uh, for, for him to be there at that, I mean, that's a – very high echelon to say the least. And he's 37 and he's been there 12 years before he came here. He started there with Duke basketball at 25. Yeah. So been performing at a high level for a long time and younger than both of us. So got to be an excellent 
excellent addition to an already impressive um, Marshall Athletic Administrative Senior Team. Yeah, and I I always have loved the job that um, our equipment guys do. I think yeah. that, you know, we are um, not that elite college football team with an unlimited budget, you know, like these big uh, uh, teams have always been and can roll out, you know, like Oregon, a new jersey uh uh, uniform combo every game different helmet every game you know we don't have the unlimited funds like that and we still have crisp nice uniforms you never see those mistakes uh like when the indiana football (laughs) indinia they misspelled their own team name uh you know we don't we don't have that we haven't been a, a laughing stock we don't come out with uh, you know, no matter if people say, well, I didn't like the gradient numbers on the jerseys that one year, stuff like that. I mean, it, that was just a decision. It wasn't like the the equipment team botched the the numbering, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they do an impressive job in all sports. You know, the softball helmets, for instance, I think are some of the cleanest in the nation. I yeah. love the. But even – Aside from that, the people that we churn out through that program, through that through that yeah. team, uh, the the equipment staff, they they go on to other places around the country and perform at high levels, right? They they become head equipment staff uh, or head equipment managers at other programs. So we continually just put people out there into the profession. So that says a lot in and of itself. Yeah, hundred percent agree with you. I was thinking about that the other day of how many different people we know that are at different, uh, you know, schools mm-hmm. doing their job, NC state, Tulsa, uh, Virginia tech, all, all kinds of different places. Yep. All right. Uh, number four, women's golf had five make the women's golf coaches association, all American scholars. And those were Jackie Schmidt, Torin Kalaski, Makina Rauch, Katie Potter, and Emily McClatchy. Uh, this is like a rinse and repeat of the first thing. So let's say it again, you know, uh, these differentiating things, these, you know, um, student athletes, it's student athlete for a reason, right? So you got to be taking the, the classroom uh, seriously. And, you know, if, if you're fortunate enough to, play golf for a living great uh but most likely you're going to be making a living and playing golf on your days off so it's great to be taking advantage of you know uh the these programs that you're studying for a profession that can put you in a position to continue doing what you love for the you know remainder of your life or as long as you're able to do it never been one for golf most likely because i'm terrible at it but i imagine (laughs) that it's uh, that you can play it for a long, long time. <laughs> All right. So Schmidt, this is her third time winning this award. Highly impressive. Uh, Kalaski has uh, gotten it multiple times. I believe that's just two because it doesn't say how many. Yeah. Um, Rouch uh, got it for her second straight. And let's see, Potter, uh, after just one year, with the herd won this she was on the commissioner's honor roll 
a lot of different things. And McClatchy is a freshman and doing the same. So, uh, you know, how many different times have we talked about on shows the the scholar awards or the GPAs and all the different stuff? And it does what? What does it do, KD? It's a differentiator. There it is. Uh, we are doing great things in the classroom. You've got to give it to these student athletes. We've talked about what a hectic schedule they can mm-hmm. have. I know that my grades weren't this good when I was there, and I did not have – you know, a full-time sports, you know, um, to focus on, you know, all the practices you have to go to the away games, you know, staying overnight in a hotel, even sometimes for your home games is, you know, football and everything. So all this different stuff, and they're still racking up all these different scholarly awards and, and honors, and it's just highly impressive. So, Great uh, shout out to all of our student athletes that are getting it done in the classroom, the coaches, our wonderful help program that we have here at Marshall, the uh, uh, just the different things that we have going on, the Buck Harless. And I'd like to say that this is another um, reason to join the Big Green because it's not always just about putting championship teams on the field. While that is what we all would like to see in every sport, the more big green members that we have, the more athletes that we can help put on full scholarship. Right. And uh, some of these athletes deserve to be on full scholarship because they can get it done in the classroom as well. You don't have to be a national championship golfer to deserve a full ride. Right. I mean, they're getting it done in the classroom and that's the other kind of stuff that you want to see. So um, this is just another great reason to join the big green and, I'm going to say this again and again and again, you know, cause not, nothing official has come out of the athletic department. There's been no um, like hint that something like this may happen. If it does, then it's just happenstance that I'm talking about it, but I'd really like to see us start to push membership growth in the big green. Um, I would really like to see us, you know, be the, uh, the the largest booster organization in the Sun Belt. I'd like to see us come in and just take that moniker over. I don't know who the number one is. I don't. I haven't looked at everybody else's, and and really, I don't know if they're all going to put numbers out there. But I would just assume that most are in the neighborhood of where we are. Some may be higher than three thousand. Some probably a little lower, and some are probably struggling to build. A base period but there is zero reason that we can't increase our numbers from three thousand to four thousand and then push to five thousand i mean we're we're churning out new graduates every year it's so cheap to join the big green it should just be like kind of like a rite of passage oh i got my degree now i'm gonna be a, an official booster and it's five bucks it costs more than that to apply for graduation you know so yeah. there's just really no reason to do it, to not do it. I mean, so get it started. And as you progress in your professional life and as you know, your, your budget allows, then you can increase your donations. But for five bucks, I mean, I don't see, you know, 60 bucks on the year. We say five bucks a month, but 60 bucks. So there's, you, you, you set it in, forget it. Like the Ron Popeil Showtime rotisserie grill, baby. Five bucks a month, get it going, auto drafted, and you forget about it. And then you're like, hey, I got a promotion. Maybe I'll, you know, increase to 10 bucks or 15 bucks or I got a raise this year. Maybe I'll go to the $25 level and 
get 300 bucks a year. So now I can get chairbacks and all that good stuff. So just get us started. Let, let's push towards 4,000. Let's see if we can get that done by this time next year. Yeah. And again, I know we harp on this and we talk about it all the time and I do feel like we're kind of educating and making a difference, but Again, for anyone that's on the fence on the $5, you can make that back by going to some local businesses, not just the eateries that we have mentioned, but, you know, some places with services. We mentioned Skeffington's was one on here. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a kid has to go to the prom and you have to rent a, a tux or, you know, you go to the museum ball and you want to rent a tux, whatever, you know, reason you get a lot of money back with 10% off on that. Yeah. You know, uh, there are some uh, car maintenance places on there. There's uh, jewelers. I mean, there's some big money coming back. If you do this uh, and become a, a perks carrier because of the generosity of our local businesses to donate this sort of thing. Yep. That, that adds the value is their generosity. So a lot of us are already frequenting these establishments. So, you know, become a member for $5 of, of the big green. You're going to get that $5 back. And then some probably over and over again. You, if you, especially if you live locally, if you don't live locally, it may be a little harder, but still at the end of the day, you're going to offset it some. I mean, if you come into town for a football game or two or a basketball game or two, you're going to go out to eat. You're probably going to buy something around town where a discount is available to you. So you'll offset that somewhat, if not completely over the course of two or three games, you know. If you come in and uh, need some herd gear, you know, a lot of people do that and say, hey, I'm coming in town for a game, uh, coming in for homecoming or whatever. I want to refresh my herd gear. There's places that have that on there. So yep. that's easy stuff. It's easy. You're going to spend that money anyway. You might as well get a discount for it. Sure. All right. Our final uh, five things. Uh, Notre Dame tickets are still available, but the note said you have to act fast if you want them. Uh, Notre Dame is going to be taking their allotment back on whatever we don't sell. So if you want them, you need to go ahead and contact the ticket office, however method you want to do it, do it online, call them, go there in person. But if you're interested in going to Notre Dame, they do still have tickets. You just need to act fast. So act fast is kind of an open-ended thing. I wish there was a deadline like, Hey, you need to make a decision by, x day but i mean we don't know when that is and they haven't said so if you can do it this week i would probably do it this week because you never know it could be tuesday and they're like well we got to send them back or notre dame wants to sell the rest of their tickets so uh just you know stop putting it off just get it if you want to go and and, and if you get them and you can't go it's probably not going to be that hard to unload those tickets i mean you know StubHub is Worst comes to worst, if you can't find a herd fan to give them to, somebody from South Bend, Indiana, Indiana will want to go to the game. Yeah, and you know they, I, I didn't have a problem with how they did it. Only for the Big Green, it's an opportunity. I mean, we just talked about how important it is. So it's an opportunity to grow the Big Green because they made it available not just to past members but potential members. You know, you just had to pledge uh, becoming a Big Green member at the, at the level that they, they mentioned. So they made it very easy for you. And one of the things that that does too, is to prevent scalpers from calling into the ticket office 
and getting some of our allotment. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, people calling in and saying, oh, yeah, I want to buy uh, away game tickets, Notre Dame. And, you know, they don't live here. They're not a Marshall fan. They get them. They throw them online, make some money off of it. Right. So I get it. I know why they did it. Uh, the big news is it's still available. If you thought, man, I'm sure that I missed out on it. I'm sure they all sold. They didn't. Now you got a second chance. Get in and grab them. That's right. Just act fast. Act fast. All right. That wraps up our five things. Again, thanks to Ignite Link for making this possible. And uh, we'll have more. I know I keep saying that, but we'll have more out of those guys very, very soon. Very, very soon. That's all right, man. We're we're just edging closer to football season and we'll, we'll let some details out uh, as football season gets closer. But hey, while we're edging closer, we get to co continue talking about another position group this week which is an excellent segue into the linebacker breakdown this week where the herd is returning a ton of top tier talent. And uh, it's a unit that you should be excited about. It's um, you know, the, is this the first, let me look real quick. Yeah. This is the first uh, defensive unit that we've talked about in what we feel like overall is going to be a, really really strong side of the ball for the herd in 2022 so let's talk about these linebackers of course coached by shannon morrison um we've talked about uh, shannon a, a couple of times in various episodes he's making his like third stop here for the herd uh, second year of course came is still part of huff's inaugural staff uh, returning players from the 2021 roster we've got five uh, incoming freshman of the 2022 recruiting class three, and then one from the transfer portal. There are other guys listed at linebacker on the roster, but um, as far as those three data points, returners from 2021 incoming freshman as part of the 2022 recruiting class and transfer portal. Um, that's, what is that? Nine. That's nine guys. I think there's a couple more on there too. Probably some walk-ons or some, you know, some other things that just have maybe haven't been updated so far yet, but uh, the cupboard is by no means bare. So let's talk about some projected starters for 2022 in the linebacking core. And you don't have to go any farther than number seven, Abraham Bowplan, six foot two, 223 pound red shirt senior, first team all conference USA last year, second leading tackler in the conference last year. 110 total tackles, 11 tackles for loss, two and a half sacks, one forced fumble in 13 games for the herd last year. Dude is everywhere all the time. Going <laughs> to um, be a massive weapon for the herd in 2022. Uh, you've got to think he's got to be on a short list of potential Sunbelt Defensive Player of the Year nominees, wherever those might be. But anytime you come in with that type of, of uh, resume already, you know, first team all-conference your last stop, second in the conference in tackles last year. Uh, the only thing I would really like to see from Abraham is a little bit more in the M, what I call impact plays, and that's fumble, uh, forced fumbles, fumble recoveries, interceptions, and quarterback sacks type thing. He's just a tackling machine. 
Um, but you know, that, that that's his forte. Um, complimenting Mr. Bo plan is one Eli Neal. If these guys aren't mirror images, mirror images do not exist. Also six foot two, 223 pounds. Um, Eli is a junior though. All conference USA honorable mention last year in 2021 number two tackler for the herd with 97 total tackles, seven tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, two interceptions, two fumble recoveries, and one forced fumble in 13 games. Um, I feel comfortable saying that Eli Neal is the best all-around linebacker because he does have a knack for those impact plays on top of just being able to sniff out tackles. Um, He does a great job, you can see, in – pass coverage when he's called upon because he does have interceptions to his uh, credit. He, he is a sideline to sideline linebacker, much like Bo plan is. So two huge strengths for the herd, uh, two of the three just massive tackling machines for this herd defense and your third projected starter, depending on what, you know, the lineup looks like when they run out there in game one, I'm going to say Charlie gray, the six foot three, 207 pound sixth year senior. Charlie was in the portal and out of the portal. And I got to say, I'm really glad that he decided to stay with the herd because that puts three really big time players that you would like to think are one, two, and three across the linebacking core to start out in week one. 55 tackles for Charlie, seven and a half tackles for loss, two sacks, a fumble recovery, and two forced fumbles, also in 13 games for the herd. So that's three guys that started and put or played in at least every game last season for the herd. That's a lot of experience and it's a lot of experience playing together. So it's, it's one of those things where communication shouldn't be an issue. Um, guys should know where the other guy's going to be, which is just so critical when you're talking about a cohesive defensive unit that can play as fast as they possibly can because they know where everybody else is going to be. Also returning from 2021, Jacorian Anderson, the six foot two, 231 pound red shirt junior, 19 tackles, a half a tackle for loss and a half a sack in 13 games for the herd. But I'll tell you what, even though the overall stats don't really blow you away, uh, he made some impactful moment. He had some impactful moments in games last year. And I really started to hear his name being called more and more towards the middle end of the season last year. So I think he's going to be an excellent compliment to those three guys that we just talked about. And will undoubtedly be one of the first ones that you see off of the bench into the game when, when the situation arises. Fifth guy returning for the herd in 2022 from 2021 is Tyreek Bell, a six foot two, 210 pound red shirt senior. Uh, three tackles in five games last year. But uh, if you have a moment, I would like you to go read the bio for Tyreek Bell because it's so impressive. Uh, the story, uh, what he's done already in his life. Uh, I don't want to get into it because I don't want to spoil it for you, but I read it last year when we were doing position group breakdowns on my former podcast, and I was blown away. So please do yourself a favor and go read the bio of Tyreek Bell. I think he will be immediately a guy that your respect level just shoots through the roof. Uh, from the transfer portal, the herd brings in just one 
and we talked about him when he committed. It was Jace Bobo, the six foot one, 220 pound senior from the University of North Colorado, Northern Colorado, one of the two. Uh, 54 tackles, two sacks, and two interceptions in 11 games for Northern Colorado in 2021. I think he'll be one of those instant impact type guys, a definite uh, depth builder for the herd, a guy that uh, has already played a ton of football and played football at a, at a relatively high level, been very productive at a relatively high level. And I think he's going to mesh nicely with the trio that we have there and Mr. Anderson as, as part of a solidified uh, or I'm, and Mr. And- I'm sorry, Anderson and Mr. Bell as part of a solidified top six, if you will. Uh, let's talk about the three incoming freshmen in from the Trent. Let me try that again from the recruiting class. And I remember when all three of these guys were coming through the process and made their announcements. And then when I saw their names come through on signing day, I was like, all right. You know, I was like really happy that all the all three of these dudes ended up signing. Uh, with the green ink for the herd. And we're going to start with the, the former three-star prospect, Leon Hart Jr., six foot one, 210 pounder from Miami, Florida. And an area that Marshall has recruited heavily in the past. They recruited heavily in 2022. We talked about it with the running backs. And now we're talking about Miami again with the linebackers. This guy, uh, I don't want to say above all the other freshmen on the roster, but I just think he has the the best chance of being an instant impact player for the herd as a freshman. Um, how and where he fits into the rotation is yet to be seen. We still have summer practice to go and, and the depth chart and the two deeps and the yada, yada, and the, all that to do. But I think he has the potential to be the biggest impact player. And really the main indicator that I'm using other than watching some highlight tapes, but everybody looks good on a highlight tape. The main indicator that I'm using is if you go to his 24 seven sports profile and you click on the offer list, you might start to wonder like, dang, they must've been recruiting the heck out of this dude to get him to come to Huntington because it is a who's who of college football. And it, you know, it's not just, interest like the the prospect has interest in the school they have interest in him it tells you if he received an offer from said school or not so let me just rip off a few of these to you just a handful alabama lsu usc old miss south carolina miami the u not little Miami in oxford and the university of kentucky among a myriad of sunbelt schools and conference usa schools and a few other power five schools i mean mr hart had like 25 or 30 offers or something like that. It was amazing too. So when you go up against teams like that, do I, do I need to repeat some of those Alabama, LSU, USC? I mean, you get a, a, a prospect like that. If they want him. you know, he can probably play and, you know, to be able to pitch like, Hey, you can probably come here and see the field a little bit quicker as opposed to Alabama. I mean, that's not unfair to say. That's why I think he has the potential to be an instant impact player as a freshman. I was really excited when we signed Eli Neal as a freshman, and he came in and was an instant impact player for the herd. And he had a real breakout season last year. And I think Leon Hart could be that guy this year. Also in the class, 2022, uh, James Smyrie, a also former three-star recruit, six foot three, 220 pounds from Phoenix City, Alabama, rated the number 148 linebacker in the 2022 class. So all three of the guys that Marshall brought in 
were in, I mean, the lowest is Mr. Andrew Morse, which we'll talk about in a second. So of the three, he was rated the lowest and he was still top 200, right? Um, the aforementioned three-star prospect, Andrew Morris, six foot two, 215 pounder from Gilbert, not West Virginia, but Gilbert, Arizona, uh, rated the 161st rated linebacker in the 2022 class. Russ, uh, Phil still finally gets off the schneid for the herd and ranks this the number two unit in the Sunbelt Conference and number 34 nationally. So it got me thinking, who's rated number one? Well, it happens to be Appalachian State, and guess how much farther they are rated ahead of the herd? Uh, two spots, 32 nationally and 34 nationally. So if that doesn't tell you they're neck and neck, I don't know what differentiated them from one to two instead of one and one, but whatever. Also, individually, Phil still ranks Eli Neal as the number 56 draft eligible inside linebacker. All that being said, all those guys we just talked about, let's talk about strengths and weaknesses like we always do. Uh, when you th- when you think about what we did and were able to accomplish as a linebacking unit in 2021, who's coming back in 2022, and as you start to project what could be based on who's on the schedule this year, what do you think are the strengths of this unit overall? Well, I've got several. The first strength is experience. Obviously, I mean, it's not just we're bringing back guys that played. We're bringing back starters that played every game. Uh, Been there, done that, have been performing at high levels. It's not like, hey, I was the understudy for a while. It's high-performance guys that we're bringing back. So number one for me is the experience of these guys, not just their individual experience, but playing together, you know, as a unit. Yeah, it cannot be understated. It's also my number one strength as well. But I just phrased it as returning production. And it's not just the three players that we talked about that are projected starters playing 39 games and 13 together last season. But it's also the fact there wasn't a coaching change at this position. So they know exactly what the expectation is. They know exactly what the, uh, what the standard is. And they know how to play as a cohesive unit. And we talked about Abraham Boplan being the number two tackler in conference USA. Eli Neal was number five in the conference. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's it, these, these tallies, these numbers are huge in, in terms of an overall conference of linebackers. I mean, yeah. having number two is, is impressive, but having two and five in the same unit that started together all year long, you start to see how things can go really, really right for the herd. Boplan had uh, 110 total tackles. Eli Neal had 97. That's 13 less in 13 games played. One tackle less per game yeah. was who was. Two in the top five, like he said, it's just crazy good production that we're bringing back. So experience for both of us, number one. Experience production, how returning production, however you want to say it. But. Yeah, th- this starts to give you vibes from several years ago when guys like Frankie Hernandez, Chase Hancock, you know, Artis Johnson, and all these guys were – you know, patrolling at the same time. And we just had all of these tackling machines right there in the middle of the defense that could, you know, run up and stuff a hole or could drop back and and play a little coverage, um, athletic enough to cover most tight ends, strong enough to go head to head with every running back in the league. And, you know, these guys faced 
the best running back duo in in the Sun Belt last year. They they faced Cam Peoples and and Noel from App State. They did. So it's it's not that it's all downhill from there, but they've already faced the best that they have to offer, um, and and they face our guys in practice. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you just love potentially what's on the horizon for this unit. What's your next strength? Uh, pressure on the quarterback. So I'll go over the you projected three starters there. Uh, good good guess of a projection again. You know it's before. August, so we don't know 100%, but let's just look at the production from those guys. Beauplan had four QB hurries, Eli Neal had nine, and Charlie Gray had five in 13 games out of those three. Again, we're not talking about interior defensive line or defensive ends. We had from our linebacking core 18 QB hurries just from those three. So the pressure of getting in and Eli Neal in particular getting nine, I mean, that's, uh, you know, nine and 13 games. That's, yeah. that's more than half a, a QB hurry a game, you know. So every other game he's back there and forcing the quarterback to do something, you know, that's a potential big mistake. So that is mine, the pressure that when we dial it up, and it seems like when we needed to last year, we did. Whether it came from the linebacking core or not, we dialed it up a lot, and we got to the quarterback. So these guys, uh, I think, are going to do a lot more of that this year. Yeah, that's an excellent point. You know, it, it, these guys don't have the luxury of pinning their ears back and just trying to get to the quarterback every time. So that's why you don't see these numbers pumped up in that particular category. So you have to make the most of your opportunities when you are when you have a blitz called for you or the situation is just there. You know, uh, it's it's not like like you said, an interior defensive lineman who is really most of the time trying to just get to the damn quarterback. These yeah. guys are charged with you know paying attention to running backs. We got tight ends. We got to worry about. We got receivers coming across the middle. We ha- can't just go full force at the quarterback all the time. But I like that. That's an excellent point to be made. My second strength is um, I'm going to go with depth because it's five returners, which is already a pretty healthy rotation. But when you take into account, you have some pretty highly recruited freshmen that could be instant impact players. And I like to I like to differentiate that from the term contributor, you know, because you can fill a role, you can play a role and be a integral part of a unit. And we saw that with Jacorian Anderson last year. He, he had moments, he had um, big time plays, but his role didn't require that of him all year long. So uh, I, I like the fact that we have five guys returning. I think that's very, very a healthy rotation. And then when you toss in the fact perhaps that Leon Hart could be an instant impact freshman. And the other two guys that I mentioned before, Smyre and Morris, could just be potential uh, contributors. That's – what is that? Seven, oh, and Bobo. We haven't talked about Bobo yet. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's six guys, seven, eight, nine guys that uh, you expect to contribute, uh, six of them in a very high capacity, and the other three in a as-needed basis. And if you get above that – it's just a bonus. Yeah. 
And we haven't talked about defensive backs yet, but there are there are several that I particularly think will play closer to the line of scrimmage or can play closer to the line of scrimmage that we saw. Let me throw out a name of a player. You know, I like to do this so fans can uh, better see where I'm coming from when I say this. Malik Gant was a safety that we had several years ago that played so close to the line of scrimmage a lot and that that he, he would come up and, and make tackles on running backs. You know, he was he was tallying tackles for loss and quarterback sacks and all this stuff. So, you know, I think there's going to be some flexibility um, on the back end in the secondary that's going to open up things for these linebackers. So I think depth is going to is a true strength here. What's your I don't I don't want to say last, but what's your next strength if you have one? Well, I need to uh, back up because I talked about QB pressure and I gave the uh, the hurries, but I'd like to uh, reiterate, you know, on the sacks and everything, Eli Neal had five and a half leading the team. Uh, Low plan had two and a half. Charlie Gray had two. Uh, so it wasn't just getting pressure back there. They actually had some, you know, big time, timely some success. Sacks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, we're not talking about a sack a game or anything like that, but we're not playing uh, NCAA football on the PlayStation <laughs> either. You know? uh, these guys, when when they needed to, got back there and they caused a lot of havoc. So, uh, but moving on from that, my final one is speed uh, and size. These guys, when you were reading off these uh, numbers on their uh, – on their size, 6'3", 6'2", 6'2", 6'1", 6'3", 6'2". We talk about this every week when we're doing this breakdown. When Huff was hired here, he said, you know, we will recruit and put players in. I know these aren't all his recruits, but, you know, he brought in Bobo as a transfer, you know, 6'1", 220. We're not seeing some of the undersized guys that we had maybe playing – I don't want to say out of position, but like having a uh, a strong safety moved up to outside linebacker, moving your outside linebacker to defensive end, moving your defensive end to interior line. We're seeing guys playing in maybe their more natural position, I guess you would say, but guys of size. And it's not just big guys taking up space. These guys cover a lot of ground. That's how they get a lot of these tackles, man. You know, lateral movement and side to side and the, the coverage of the field that they have. Uh, we have some electric linebackers. So big guys, fast, you know, that's just a recipe for hard-hitting football. Yeah, it is. And, and what I like to call that is motor. You have high-motor guys, right? You don't get a 100 and – some odd tackles a year or right at it if you can't go sideline to sideline because it doesn't matter how hard you can can hit if you can't if you don't have the speed to get there to hit it's it's a null and void trait right like it doesn't matter so you have to have the speed to make the plays you have to have the instinct to know where to go and how quickly to start moving and these guys have that um so that's an excellent point uh, my last strength, which is something I alluded to previously, is I think that the skill level of these guys and the fact that they are all high motor guys will allow for some risk taking uh, by this defense, particularly at other positions, because 
these guys can, um, I don't want to say make up, you know, cause it's, it, if, if the risk doesn't pay off, then, you know, you have guys in the second level here that can uh, potentially get to that sideline or can get to fill that gap. So you can be a little bit more of a risk-taking defense at times because of the skill level that these guys have. And that just makes things a lot more fun for coaches. You know, if they know that they can open it up a little bit, we can be a little risky here in this situation. We can, we can throw a safety blitz in there because I got a guy that can drop back and fill a bigger void. You know, it's, it's, it's a good problem to have. Uh, so the potential to be a little bit more flexible and fluid with what you want your defensive game plan to look like, uh, even really in a moment to moment scenario, you know, if something's working or isn't working, you're like, well, let's try this. Cause we, you know, we know we can make up for it at another, at another position, you know, we can, we can try something and see if it works without getting burned potentially. Uh, weaknesses. If you have any weaknesses, I'm sure you do. What are your what's your primary weakness you think of this unit? You know, I mean, trying to think of one, it came down to splitting hairs. Yeah. I would like to see more turnovers generated. But again, you know, the opportunity might just not be there. Maybe it's, you know, more interceptions or something. But I mean, they had uh one, two, out of those three guys, they had four forced fumbles. They had one, two, three, three fumble recoveries. You know, uh, Eli Neal had a, an interception. Two, three actually. Fumbles. Oh, they've got him listed as one. Yep. Um, three pass breakups. You know, so I guess it would be like pass – breakups slash interceptions but that again it's all splitting hairs i'm i'm looking at a very solid defensive unit here uh that looks like on paper at least has a recipe to really make some noise this year yeah uh, with everything that we said so weakness <laughs> i mean again <laughs> uh, it's not really one <laughs> so yeah a lot of those things are just like uh, you don't want to call them fluky plays because if you have a knack for forcing fumbles then you have a knack for that but as long as you're a sure-handed tackler that's really what i care about right like if you get your it, what's the adage the first guy stands him up the second guy rips the ball out and if that's the way you want to play that's the way we want to play but as long as guys aren't bouncing off of you <laughs> as a linebacker then i'm cool with how we're playing like let, let's Let's make the first hit count. And if if impact plays happen, you know, if you if you toss them all together, quarterback sacks, hurries, pressures, whatever you want to call it, fumbles, fumble recoveries, interceptions, you start to say, like, wow, these guys account for about one a game or a little over one a game if you put all those categories together. So it's not bad. Yeah, of course, we always want to see more. Uh, for me, it they're, they're not a perfect unit, of course. I mean, we can't just sit here and say that they're – perfect because it's that would be a fallacy there's going to be weaknesses there's going to be um exploitations you know uh, other coaches get paid for to make our guys look bad so from time to time guys are gonna get exposed a little bit and they'll have to adjust and all that kind of stuff but to me the most the biggest weakness of the unit is i think we're gonna have to have some of these freshmen develop and evolve and separate themselves to 
take some of the load off of these primary three, four, five guys so that we can sustain all season long. You know, you don't want Bo playing Eli Neal having to play every single snap because rotational players come in and just immediately start giving up yards left and right. Like we can't, we can't have that. So somebody, which I'm sure they will, maybe one, two guys will, will separate themselves from the pack to be a reliable alternative to the initial rotation, you know, gray bow plan and Neil, notwithstanding they're they're We know what they're known entities. We know what we have with them. So amongst, you know, Anderson bell Bobo, then one or two guys we're going to need to rise to the occasion, separate themselves to be a contributor so that we can potentially in certain games um, or late in the season allow, you know, Eli or, or Abraham or Charlie to come off the field for a series or two, you know, just, just to, just to lighten the abuse that their body's taking, you know, particularly if you're having a special season, the last thing you want is, to have one of your impact players have to be on the field when he doesn't have to be, you know? So that's really the most glaring weakness to me. And it's not really glaring. It's just something that I hope I see. Uh, let's talk about those questions, Russ, who are you most excited to see in 2022 from this unit? Eli Neal. Um, I don't know that he will have more tackles or less tackles or the exact same or whatever, but I just think that, He's been here two years. He had the breakout last year. I think that he's going to grow from it and be one of those exciting, dynamic players to watch. Yeah, and he's that guy for me, too. I have enjoyed watching him play since he was a freshman, and I really enjoyed the second-year leap in progression and um, the con- the contributions he made. I said it in the – beginning of this, I think he's the most well-rounded linebacker in that room. And the stats speak to that. You know, he he was the number two tackler on the team. He had the most sacks out of those guys. He's the only one that pulled down an interception. Uh, and he's just as impactful when it comes to causing and recovering fumbles. And I'm with you. I don't think he has to top the season that he had last year to be even more impactful because it's a new league, you know, it's a different league. Uh, the, uh, the offenses that we're playing may not be built similarly to the ones we just got done playing. So, you know, stats aren't always the best indicator, but when you're putting up consistent numbers, that's the best indicator. You're doing it game in and game out. So I am really excited to see if third-year Eli Neal is even better than second-year Eli Neal. And here's my point about the – I don't know if the tackle stats will be there. We have added a lot of size on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. So maybe the opportunities for the tackles are not as prevalent, you know, for these two guys that put up 110 and 97. Maybe they don't have the opportunity to get that many. But, you know, you throw in like two more sacks and one more interception, even with – 15 last tackles on the year or whatever, that's a much better year, you know? Uh, it, and again, don't get caught up on the number. And I know you're not, I'm saying, you know, yeah. don't get caught up on the number. Look at the eye test. Look at the, the, you know, the quarterback didn't throw his direction because he knew that it was going to be a, an immediate, you know, 
breakup of a pass, you know, because he'd get hit as soon as the ball got there. So he didn't even throw in his direction. A lot of different stuff don't show up on a, a stat sheet. And again, totally different team dynamic this year with our defensive line that we're going to have. So that that's, uh, again, I know that we've bounced around on what we're talking about with Eli Neal, but production wise, you know, maybe it doesn't because I mean, that was a heck of a season last year. Yeah. Up a, uh, maybe it doesn't look as good on there, but I really think he is going to put up some impressive impactful Fumble recoveries, forced fumbles, interceptions, uh, pressuring the quarterback a lot. I look for a lot of growth out of him. Yeah, I do too. And it, and it starts to boggle your mind like, well, how much more could you develop from two to year two to year three? You know, because the, the leap seemingly on paper, at least, was pretty big from year one to year two. And you're thinking, man, there can't be that much more room to grow. And you have to look past the stats and you're right. You have to watch the games as they're happening. And you see that, you know, the impact on a play to play basis is there. You know, it's things that may not show up in a stat sheet, just like you're saying, like maybe the decision to go to the other side of the field or to run those plays to the other side are there because, you know, Eli is such a shorthanded tackler that, you know, maybe you run to the left side instead of the right side or whatever the case may be. Um, who's your breakout player? Who are you projecting to be your breakout player this year? Tyreek Bell. And, uh, you know, he was only in five games last year. He didn't start. Um, had, uh, I can't remember if he had an injury that, uh, that hampered him, but, uh, you know, first year with the program, he's now got a full year with us in the system and that sort of thing. And, uh, Cavaconte is gone. He played in 13 games. He was, you know, kind of ahead of him in the depth chart for whatever reason. So I think we're going to see more plays on the field. This guy definitely has a motor. This guy definitely has the physical tools, uh, the mental tools Mm -hmm. with everything that you alluded to. If you read about his story with the, with the service uh, for our country, I just, I got a feeling that we're going to hear Tyreek Bell's name called a lot more often this year. Well, I certainly hope so. And for folks that have listened to me on other podcasts, I picked him last year to be um, either the breakout player or somebody that I was excited to see because of that story. And and that's going to bleed over to this year because the, the point that I think I made then, which I'm going to reiterate now, is that there's not going to be a moment in a game that is too big for anything that he's already seen in life, you know? So the ability to harness emotion and focus is not a question mark with a guy like Tyreek Bell, but I'm going off the radar here. I'm going, I'm picking one of the incoming freshmen to be like, I've said it a couple of times already, instant impact. I'm, I'm going to pick uh, Leon Hart as my breakout player because I mean, it's hard to look past an offer sheet like that, you know. Uh, if if Nick Saban wants you on his squad, you're doing something right. If LSU, the U, the USC, all these teams think you're an addition to their linebacker room, I think you can be a really impactful pay- player in year one for the herd. So just let me roll the dice a little bit here and see if I can roll a seven 
And uh, I'm going to take Leon Hart as my breakout player. Um, I didn't really do the who's the hardest to, you know, uh, replace from the 2021 roster because I didn't talk about all the guys that had departed. There were just once I started looking at it, there were a lot. And, uh, you know, some of them, I don't I don't there's no portal news on them or whatever. Maybe they just quietly transferred out or whatever. But I think that's an easy one. Right. I mean, like, who's the toughest to replace? It's got to be Cavaconte, right? Yeah, he's, he's the only one that had really any stats that left, you know, a lot of them. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying they didn't get in games or anything, but they just were not at the level that Cavaconte was uh, 32 tackles and the sack and a half or something like that. I can't remember the exact stats right now, but um, again, he was in all 13 games and saw a lot of playing time at, there's nobody else to replace besides him. Yeah. Uh, the best part about that is that Charlie Gray came back out of the portal. So, because he would have been that guy, you know, having yeah. to replace 50 some tackles on the season. But now we get to talk about that returning and, and it becomes a real weapon. But you're right. Yeah. It's Brian Cavacante. He's the hardest to replace from 2021. Who's the MVP of the unit once it's all said and done at the end of the season? Eli Neal. Well, you're probably right, but uh, in the um, in an effort to not list the same person twice, I can't dethrone the second leading tackler in the Conference USA last year until he's dethroned. So I'm going to go with Abraham Boplan because whether or not the quote-unquote impact plays are there, the freaking tackles are there, dude, and until he gets – you know, dethroned, he's still the king of the hill as far as the MVP goes. He's the returning first-team All-Conference USA player. So I think he's going to be the MVP again. Do you have a hot take for me? You go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to warm my take up. All right. My hot take's coming out of the gate pretty hot. I think we have two, count them, two, First team, all Sunbelt Conference players on this unit this year. Um, you know, uh, Bo, Bo Plan's first team, all Conference USA last year. So that's, you know, that's an easy translation. You, you would like to think he's probably going to be one of the better in uh, the Sunbelt Conference this year. And if you think the trajectory is there from a year two to year three leap, like we saw from year one to year two for Eli Neal, it's not that hard to deduce that he also could be a first-team all-sunbelt conference performer. So give me two starting linebackers on the first-team all-sunbelt conference award list at the end of the season. That's a good take. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say that as a unit, they get 15 sacks on the year. That would be a pretty big uptick. What is that? No, so – you're was it nine at, last year? But of, of the starting three, of the starting three, it was nine, right? No, of the starting three, they had ten. Okay, ten. So as a as an overall unit, including you know every backups and all that. Okay. 10. That's uh, I mean, I still I still find that to be a pretty hot take because that's a lot of sacks. That's more than one a game that you're going to have to see. Um, it's it's not easy. I'm not going to pretend like that's easily attainable because. We had guys that performed at a high level last year and it didn't get attained last year. So that's a, that's a pretty hot take. 
Well, with Cavacante, uh, they had at least 11 and a half out of those four. And I don't know what the other guys, I'm not seeing any on here, but uh, they came close. Yeah. So. They can, I mean, any way you look at it, some people will say, well, 15 from 11 is not that many. But percentage-wise, it's a fair amount. <laughs> oh, it's a lot. No, yeah, it's a, lot. It's a fair um, amount. But I just – I feel like, and again, we're only talking about linebackers, but I think that our defensive line change-up is going to allow for a lot of different things. Again, I mentioned that maybe our tackles are down. Mm-hmm. Maybe our QB hurries and our sacks from the linebacking core are up. Yeah. You know, it's just a different dynamic when you're throwing in three or four guys around three to three twenty. Yeah. You know, their defensive line. Yeah, that's true. That's I mean, it's a it's a it's a deeper way of thinking things. You're you're looking at things from a different viewpoint than I am. So I can see, you know, I can see the pathway to that happening based on what you're saying. But uh, yeah, I still think that's a that's a that's a pretty hot take. Um, next week we'll do another position group of course as we get closer and closer to the week one preview against norfolk state next week we're going to talk about wide receivers and tight ends so you do not want to miss that one this is going to be an exciting group to talk about um a lot of a lot of returning excitement a lot of new guys coming into the fold number of tight ends coming into the fold a couple of wide receivers as well so look forward to that next week but right now russ Let's take it around the herd. All right. Let's start with football. And we got a commitment from Miami, Florida, safety Amir Forster. And he's for the 2023 class. Yep. Talk about him, and then we'll go to the next guy. I mean, this is really starting to boggle my mind a little bit. It's like every commitment that's come through is like secondary, man. You know, yeah. we, we started off with uh, Tony Martin at wide receiver. And then it's just been DB, 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 DB. <laughs> there is no way that, uh, you know, you can't trot out 11 DBs. So something's got to, you like think something's going to switch up here pretty soon. Yeah. I mean, maybe we're getting all these, uh, you know, after the first one committed, other people's like, hey, I need to commit, you know, yeah. if they're already on the fence that, hey, I need to go ahead and get in here, you know, so. Well, we've uh, said before, and everybody knows it, that offers have an expiration date. Whether most people want to believe that or not, you know, you start seeing changes to the class, and you, you know, and that that expiration date on that offer starts to get shorter and shorter and shorter. So if you, you know, set on the fence too long, you're going to find yourself continuing to set on the fence. You won't have a place to step down to. So that's that's a that's just an that's an astute point, you know. So perhaps it's garnering some motivations from some of these guys to make a decision. Another commitment that we got actually is from the transfer portal. I know that we keep on saying it's late in the in the game for the transfer portal. Here's another one, another big guy, defensive line, Damian Barber, and he's from Austin P. And uh, originally Penn State. Yep. Um, Grad transfer, big body, six foot three, 290 pounds, comes from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And yes, it's late in the game, but it's, is it though? I mean, it's it, it, in this world that we're in now. I mean, as long as they, I don't know what the date is, it's like May 1st or something. As long as they're in the portal by whatever that date is, that just means that they're eligible to play. Mm-hmm. So uh, when they commit to a team, 
I mean, hell, it could be the week before game one, really. I mean, it's not it's not ideal. It's not like you're going to know anything or, or, you know, expect to play that much. But uh, we haven't started the summer session yet, so it's really not that late in the game. Now, once summer session starts, then you start thinking, okay, yeah, it's, it's probably really too late to be, you know, making – too many changes to the roster, but still, you. I said it last episode, I think, and I'm going to continue to say it every time we see an offensive and defensive lineman commit. You can never have enough impactful linemen on your team. So um, this could be just another in the long list of defensive line changes. We we keep seeing six three two ninety six two two ninety five six three three twenty. And again, it seems like every week I talk about this. Huff said we're going to have a certain size. Mm-hmm. He sure made this defensive line a lot bigger. It is a lot harder to throw over guys that are three inches taller and have a larger wingspan than someone that was undersized there before. Again, we talked about, you know, Doc had a more undersized go for speed type defense, and we're looking at hey, maybe we're not sacrificing very much at all in speed and we're still bringing in bigger guys. Yeah. So um, kudos to Huff, man, for working this transfer portal because we talk about, you know, hey, we've got a little bit here uh, of a deficiency on the offensive line due to a bunch of people leaving, uh, graduating, and then, boom, bring, bring in some experienced already ready to play has already been through the strength program and everything ready to play day one offensive line, big bodies with experience, same on the defensive line, but getting even bigger. So I just, I got to give him an A man for working the transfer portal because in his first off season after, you know, his first season as coach, I mean, he looked at our roster said, I need this, 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 and this, and he's went out and got it. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he said that before, you know, he, when he did some roster evaluations, he felt that it needed to shift in certain directions. And, you know, we were a little heavy in numbers at some positions and not heavy enough in numbers at other positions. And he wanted to change that. And he knew it was going to take a little while to get that done. And, and we see the evolution of that process, but let me throw something else at you about, uh, uh, let's say we're 50 minutes into a football game and you're bringing in yet another fresh six foot three, three hundred pound guy. Like, how frustrating must that be for an offensive lineman to have a fresh set of legs with the same amount of mass coming at you that you've already you like you you can't wear it down because there's somebody fresh always coming in. So you're getting you know a fresh a fresh set of legs all the time eventually that starts to take its toll and eventually the Eli Neal's come untouched to your quarterback and eventually his helmet lays 10 yards away from where he's at. So um, you start to see how it's starting to fit together and the philosophies that we could potentially see come to fruition and, and pay some big dividends in some critical moments, hopefully. So, yeah, I, I love seeing stuff like this continually happen for the herd. All right, uh, women's basketball is out on the recruiting trail. They're in Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, South Carolina, and Illinois. Well, um, the roster shakeup continues, right? I mean, of course, you can't stop recruiting. 
So um, it's good to see, you know, that, that with all the change that we've seen with, with all of the turnover that we've seen with all of the uh, big wholesale changes that we've seen to this program, it's still a no days off mentality. So get out there and do your thing. Um, I think Conference USA basketball is going to be, or Sun Belt basketball is going to be a little bit of a different animal than Conference USA basketball was. So um, perhaps we can make some noise sooner than quicker or sooner than later. And uh, this is the time to really hit it hard and see if you can make a splash in year one when nobody really sees you coming. So can, I, I love to see it. That's all I can say. I love to see it. Heading over to the pitch, men's soccer has camp coming up on July the 16th. It's for eighth grade and up, uh, 2 p.m. to, I think I said 7 p.m. But anyway, the info is on herdzone.com, or you can find it on the social media page for men's soccer. Uh, we talked about this, man. How much value, it's $100, how much value could you put on learning from the players and the coach that very recently won a national championship and was ranked number one overall the following season. Yeah. Uh, they've reached the pinnacle, you know, all of the majority, let's put it the majority of the folks that are going to be running this camp or participating or teaching or offering tutelage, however you want to say it, have reached the pinnacle of their sport in their, at their competition level. Mm -hmm. uh, and I said it before, and I'll say it again, the value that you get is kind of off the charts. I mean, how far do you want to travel to get similar tutelage? And are you going to be able to get it for the same amount of money? No, because you're going to have to travel to go get it. So I'm, I'm not sure that they could get better tutelage somewhere. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. I agree. So if you've got a, if you've got a kid that's playing soccer or is showing an interest in soccer, you might as well get some of the nation's best teaching right there in Huntington, West Virginia. And in, make that investment, make that hundred dollar investment to see, you know, and um, I, I just don't know how you don't do that. If you're a, if you're a soccer player, um, if you're a soccer, I don't know, whatever, just don't, don't leave and think, well, I'm not going to get anything decent. Well, it's not worth a hundred bucks. I mean, you know, I'm going to go to Duke camp or whatever. And cause you know, I have to travel to get my, to get my value. No, I mean, you're not going to get anything better anywhere else. So you might as well take advantage of, you know, world-class coaching right here at home in Huntington, West Virginia, world-class coaching. Also with soccer, Rafa Samoas is now a full-time assistant coach, was part-time, I guess, but uh, welcome full-time, Rafa. Yeah, yeah welcome. Uh, it's always nice to see some internal promotion because, you know, you're rewarding the guys that have helped get you to the, the pinnacle, right? So they must be doing something right. So I'm glad to see that these guys are getting an opportunity with the herd. So congratulations. And yeah, you're right. Welcome to the Welcome to the herd full-time. The uh, Bluegrass Volleyball Academy is putting on a hitting clinic, and the person that is helping them put that on is Marshall Volleyball player Megan Taylor 
formerly from Paintsville, where she starred in volleyball. So giving back a little bit and um, we'll be uh, there for this uh, hitting clinic that's going on. Yeah, this is kind of similar with the soccer thing, right? Just get out there if you're a volleyball, uh, if you've got a daughter playing volleyball, then and take advantage of these camps, you know, get get a little closer to the program. Like if you're a Marshall fan and, you know, you support, and or you're a Marshall fan and you've got a daughter that plays volleyball, then that just makes for a natural like marriage of things, right? Like support this and become a bigger fan of the Marshall volleyball program. Because, um, you know, if you're like your daughter, for example, if she becomes a larger volleyball fan, well, this is just a way to get her closer to the program sooner. And that's what these are all about. So take advantage of those things. And last but not least, when we go around the herd, happy birthday to Dan D'Antoni. Uh, today is Sunday, is, or Saturday as we record, and uh, his birthday is today. Yeah, so happy birthday. Um, win the Sun Belt this year for your gift. Let's just celebrate that in March. <laughs> I kid, I kid. <laughs> That's it for Around the Herd. All right, cool. Yeah, nice little wrap-up around the herd. Lots of still camp season. It's very much in full camp swing. Uh, I'm sure we'll have more camp news in the coming weeks, and we'll be talking about more and more of these things and probably expect to hear um, more recruiting news on several fronts across several sports and all that good stuff. Um, Season football tickets. Still on sale. Soccer tickets went on sale. Don't forget about that. So, you know, sh- you should be checking in on Herd Zone and just seeing what's available if you're not sure, if you missed the episode, if you listen late or whatever, so you don't miss out. Many, se- uh, many football season ticket plans, all that kind of stuff. So see what your options are. Um, if you're considering some sort of season ticket purchase, but just make those, support the Herd, get out there and get your butt in a seat and join the Big Green. Rush, you got any parting words before we get out of here? Just to plead with everyone to go by our sponsors and show them some love. I know that we've had a lot of people, you know, say, hey, I recognize uh, this company because you guys talk about them each week. You know, we've gotten some DMs and some Twitter comments, but make sure to go visit their page. Give them a like on uh, Twitter and on Facebook. Of course, 304carrack.com was with us before our very first episode. Mm-hmm. They've been with us every step of the way. They have allowed us to bring all this great content that we feel that we're bringing to you. We're having a lot of fun doing it. And we could not be doing it if it wasn't for 304carrec.com. Ignite Link, uh, again, we've got more coming from those guys, but they they uh, allow us to bring five things every herd fan needs to know. The the kickoff of our show is bringing you all this different news about uh, herd athletics in one place, and that's because of our sponsor Ignite Link. So three hundred four carrec.com and Ignite Link, we love those guys. We we hope that you will show them some love too. Yeah, uh, they play a large part in what we are able to do every week. Of course, um, they're just integral parts of what we do, right? We love that they support us because um, it in turn allows us to be able to 
make this show what we want to make it right. It, we, we are not um, being held to some sort of weird expectation. They they're like, you know what? We like what you do. Continue doing that. So that's nice. That, that means that they believe in what we're doing and how we do it. Um, I would like to say thanks to everybody that was like, Hey, uh, could you guys send me some stickers? I want to rock those for you. And then we sent out a bunch and now we're starting to see those trickle in over the week, you know, this past week, like, Hey, I got these, I can't wait to display them. And then we had other people say, Oh man, I'd like to have some of those too. Could you send me some? Yes, absolutely. We will. All you have to do is uh, send us a DM say, Hey man, uh, hook me up. I'd like to have some for my cooler or my tumbler or my toolbox or, you know, whatever we, we want, uh, we want you to be able to rock with us not just listen to us, but uh, we appreciate everybody for uh, giving us a shout out and saying, Hey, I got these. Appreciate you sending them to me, all that good stuff. Um, I was going to say something else, but I totally forgot about, I got on the sticker tangent and forgot what else I was going to say. Anyway, I'm sure it'll come to me as soon as I end the show, but that's all right. Um, let's get out of here this week, Russ, come back next week. And we'll talk about wide receivers and tight ends, which is a group that I cannot wait to talk about. Um, so take us out of here. All right, if you see us around the Joan, if you see us around the cam, you see us around the dot, throwing up some dot magic, if you see us around Huntington, or if you see us driving down the road and we see you sporting our sticker all over your station wagon, <laughs> wherever you see us, we're going to be safe. Go Herd. Go Herd. It's the Thundercats. We'll see you next week. Later. Later.